Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 15th of December 2013, entitled, Response to the Saviour, Then and Now. And the Bible reading is taken from Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 20. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. Open your Bibles this evening to the Gospel of Luke chapter 2. I'll invite you to stand to honor the reading of God's Word. We read verses 1 through 20. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. This taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. She brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. The angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. This shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger." And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. It came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even into Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. They came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. When they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. All they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying, praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Father, we do thank you again, Lord, that... Lord, as we're into this season, which we call the Christmas season, knowing, Lord, that, uh, Lord, it's most likely not the time of year that you were even born, but, Lord, as we come remembering the birth, because it's, it's such a, a special time, Lord, that deserves certainly celebrating, even as we see the celebrations taking place here, Lord, by these shepherds that heard and saw what took place on that night that you were born into this world. So, Father, now as we take just briefly to look at this story, which is a familiar story, but to remind us and encourage us here this evening that there really is something special about this season. There's something special about this season when we keep our focus and our hearts and our minds upon He whom the season truly is all about, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. For it's in His name we pray. Amen. Amen. Of course, as we look at this passage here, I want to do something a little bit different and really just look at the comparison because I find that it's very exciting 
Very interesting that as we look at the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, when God took on flesh and was born into this world, I find so many similarities there with that of that same Lord Jesus Christ that came in a manger being born into our lives. We come to know him as our Lord and our Savior. I guess that uh, I can still uh, recall uh, most of us, I guess, as, uh, as children were part of some kind of Christmas plays and Christmas pageants and songs that we sang and verses that we memorized and roles that we played sometimes in the nativity plays and all these things. And I can still remember the very first part that I ever remember having in a, in a children's play was to memorize uh, the, the verse here in, in chapter 2, verse 11, for until you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, uh, which is Christ the Lord. And uh, so it's funny, you know, that uh, all those many, many, many moons later that uh, uh, something that is learned as a child like that uh, is something to stick with us. And it's really just that simple thought from, uh, from that uh, verse there this evening, for unto you is born, uh, that I'd like us to think of for, for just a moment because uh, as we begin to look here and we uh, particularly see this part of the, uh, of the account of the birth of Christ when that, uh, uh, the shepherds that were there abiding in the fields, when uh, they heard the news and, and how they responded to it. Uh, you know, first of all, in verse 8, and there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their field by night. And, and really, you know, this was just their normal everyday life. Uh, they were living, living, they were laboring, they were doing the things that they just normally did every day uh, to get by in this life. And of course, there was something that broke into to that scene, something that uh, was very peculiar, something that was very different from anything that they had ever experienced before because it said in verse 9, and lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. They were very afraid. This was a very frightening experience. If you can just imagine, they're just, they're just out there in an everyday life, and all of a sudden, there's this angel of the Lord that appears before them, and you know they're trying to figure out, as any natural, normal human being that's out there doing their job would do, what in the world is going on here? They were, they were frightened at this because it was such a peculiar thing, the normal goings-on of their, of their life. But of course, that angel that appeared to them, it may have come in a peculiar way, but that angel had a very important message for them. And it was that angel that said to them there in verse 10, and the angel said unto them, fear not. Okay, there's some strange going on here, but don't be afraid, fear not. It says, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy which shall be to all people. I've got a message. There's nothing to be afraid of. I've got a message that will change your life. I've got a message that is not only going to change your life, but many others. I've got a message that will be exciting, that will bring joy to your life, but not just to you, to all people, to all people that will hear this message. For unto you is born this day, unto you, unto you shepherds is born this day, in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And that birth, he says, shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. This is the sign. This is how you're going to know it's him. Look, 
I know this may be strange the way this is happening. I know you weren't expecting an angel just to, to appear before you here, but I've got an exciting message that will bring real joy to your life. That message was a message of the Messiah, a message that, of course, the Jews had, had known and expected a Messiah for, for years. But we find that this was the message that that Messiah has arrived. For unto you is born this day. Yes, he's born in the city of David in, in, in Bethlehem, but it's a Savior. It's a Savior that's born for you. Notice what he says next here. It says in verse 13, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. You see, they were awakened to something here. They were awakened to the Almighty, if you would. They were awakened to, to the gods. Again, it was, you know, it was strange enough for this angel of the Lord to come and talk to them. But now, here's a whole heavenly host, and what are they doing? They're glorifying God. They're praising God because of this event that has taken place here on earth. Of course, to see the glory of God, to realize for the very first time any individual in their life, to see God for who he is, and to see that God and what he's doing for us, in this case, this seeing God and seeing his glory, but this God was, was bringing a peace to them which nothing else in all the world would bring to him. And he was bringing that through his son. We find that we know that each and every one of us, when we come to know the Lord Jesus Christ, Everybody, whether it's something that happens to us when we're young or when we're old, you know, we're all living a normal life just like these shepherds were, living, laboring, doing the things that we would normally do day by day. And, of course, we know that in this case, this peculiar presence was, was the angel of the Lord. But, you know, the simple truth is, is that it's a strange and peculiar appearance for all of us when God suddenly speaks to us for that first time just as he did to them here. Now, we know that today it may not be an angel that appears before you like he did with the shepherds, but it's still the same Lord. It's his word. And somewhere for the, for the first time, that just breaks into that, to that life, and it's, and it's something, a message that maybe we've heard it since childhood. Maybe we've heard it for the first time. I know that even in this congregation, see, I know for reality that each of our testimonies is individual God comes to us in an individual way where we are. There's some of you just like myself that was, was raised from infancy in a Christian home and in a church, and, and you'd heard that message. You never remembered a time in your life when the Christian message was not part of it. And you know, I thank God for that. But even in that life, there came a point in time in that young boy's life when he was about 11 years old that I heard that message in a different way. I knew the story always before. But that was when God sent a messenger, and that messenger to the shepherds was the Holy Spirit. But God still sends a messenger, and that messenger is not an angel, I'm sorry, but it's the Holy Spirit. He sent an angel of the Lord to them, but he sends the Holy Spirit to us. And it's only the Holy Spirit that can break into those hearts of ours and, and even a story, the words that maybe we've heard many times. Suddenly, because of the messenger of the Lord, suddenly we recognize for the very first time 
that this message was to me. For unto you is born this day. For unto me, Jesus was born into this world. For me, as an individual. And that's a place that has to break into each and every life for others here. You know, maybe it was a situation where you weren't told and, and heard that story all of your life growing up, but suddenly one day, you know, God still sent a messenger to you. It might have been through some Christian that was witnessing to you through the Bible. It could be through some gospel tract that somebody put into your hands that that same messenger the Holy Spirit uses. It might be a preacher standing in the pulpit proclaiming the message that God has sent to you personally. But that peculiar happening, it happens in each of our lives. You know, you, know, I, I, you might think if you were a, a young lad like me and you heard this story, you know, why, why, some, why haven't I seen this before? Why haven't I realized this before? Maybe sometimes, maybe if you, as an older person, it's the first time that you ever hear it. You may wonder a lot of things, but it's just as with these shepherds living their life, doing the things they have to do, when somehow God breaks through with his messenger and he brings that message, for unto you is born a Savior. For unto you is born a Savior which is Christ the Lord. That message becomes real to us. We find that possibly for the very first time, just like with these shepherds, we see, we get a, we get a glimpse of the, of the glory of God for the very first time. We see God for who he really is. We may or may not have thought about it a lot before. It may be somebody that maybe you've always just, you know, never given much thought as to whether there was a God out there. It may be something that you've always accepted that there was something that somebody designed this and somebody created this. But I'm saying there comes that point, just like with these shepherds, when you get a glimpse of the glory of God for the first time. You see God for who he is. You see, I don't believe that you can really grasp that message of Jesus coming for you and see the glory of God and what he is, and it'll have an effect upon your life. And that's what the Holy Spirit does for us when he, when he comes to us. I want you to notice what happens next. Because it's what happened then. And it's what must happen now in each individual's life. He says in verse 15, And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. You know, you know, the first thing I see about that is just that basic childlike faith that God says, everyone, they'd heard the message here, and God had, God had sent his messenger and had seen a glimpse of who God really is. But we find here in, in, in verse 15 that, there is that belief that they really believed that it was true. We've got to go. We've got to see this thing which is come to pass. There was no question in their minds that it had happened, which the Lord hath made known to us. They had no question about who it was that was speaking to their heart. They believed it. What did they do? Verse 16, and they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. You see, 
True faith will bring about some action. They, they heard this message. God sent a messenger to them. They heard about this, this, this Savior that had been born and that he'd been born for them. And they saw the glory of God. And the, the, the next thing was, you know, we've got to do something about this. This thing that has come to pass, this thing that is real, we've got to go. We've got to go to this one. We've got to go to this one that is lying there in that manger. You know, that's the same thing that has to happen in our lives. When God, by whatever means, comes to us with that message and we recognize and realize for the first time, it's not just about a baby that was born in a manger in Bethlehem over 2,000 years ago. It's about a baby that was born over 2,000 years ago that was born for me, that God has brought for me, that is my Savior. He was born for me in that manger. And when we begin to realize and recognize and we see Jesus Christ and God our Father, you see here again, and I know we can't get it on our minds, it's, it's, it's really the whole trinity of God, the whole triunity of God that's working in our lives. It's the Holy Spirit, that messenger that, that's working in our hearts and allowing us to even see and understand the message of, of who God is and, and who Jesus Christ is. But he said, let's go. Let us now go to where he is. You know, I believe that's the thing. When, when we truly, genuinely, if we just simply have the basic belief just like these shepherds did, that there is no question, there's only one thing to do, and that's to go to him. That's to go to him. You know, God's done it all, but we have to be willing. We have to be willing to, to accept that gift that he's, that he's given to us. It says in verse 17, and when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. I heard a preacher say it this way one time when the question was asked, well, you know, isn't it kind of strange sometimes when maybe the preacher gets up and he preaches a message and he tells people about Jesus and their, their need to be saved, you know, isn't it kind of unusual to, to, to ask them to, uh, to get up and to do something about it, to come down to the front, to pray, to, to commit their lives to the Lord, to, to maybe go aside with somebody and, and somebody help them with this? You know, isn't it kind of strange because he felt like, well, you know, that was kind of unusual to give altar calls. <laughs> well, two things. No, no altar calls ever saved anybody, and nobody walking down to the front of a church has ever saved anybody. But the Bible many, many, many times through, calls people to action, to do something about it. You know, there was a wedding took place here yesterday, and we looked at some of those things, the comparisons of that earthly wedding, that, that coming together of the bride and the groom with that spiritual wedding that we have with the Lord Jesus Christ as the bride of our groom, Jesus Christ. The truth is, is that scripturally and now, you know, no wedding can take place in secret, <laughs> It has to have witnesses. It has to have those that will attest to the fact of what's going on. I've never seen anybody, if they're really in love, that wanted to just, you know, well, we're going to get married, but we're not going to tell anybody about this. This is just between us. You know, the Bible also says that, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, but with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. 
I'm saying here, folks, salvation only comes from the inside, when in the heart. You can walk all the aisles. I, I used to say, you know, where I come from, there's still a lot of baptisms that take place outdoors in the creeks or the rivers, whatever you want to call them. Our creeks are kind of like your rivers. But, uh, uh, some of the old preachers used to say you can be baptized in that creek or that river till you know every tadpole by name and still die and go to hell. <laughs> you know, it's not that act, but it's what takes place within. That baptism is the first step of obedience. It's important to confess openly. I'm saying, you know, the natural thing here. You know, let's not get God in some kind of a box and, well, you've got to do step one and you've got to do step two and you've got to do step three and this is what it takes and you've got to do it our way and you've got to fill out our little thing. But the truth is, is God's the only one that can do that work in the heart. But, folks, never be ashamed to ask people to openly confess what's taking place in their life. That's the only way it takes place in the Bible. There's always an open confession. People don't get saved secretly and hide off. Say, does everybody have to come before a crowd to get saved? No. I know people have been saved in all kinds of weird and wonderful places. <laughs> I know some that were a long, long ways from a church building when they got saved. But I'm just saying it's that, that open confession that when Jesus Christ becomes real to you, when God becomes genuine and you see him for who he is and what he's done through his son and sending that son for you, if you really believe on that and you really go to him, I'm saying the natural thing to follow is that you confess that, that you tell others about it. And, of course, we do that with our mouth. We do that through the open confession of baptism. But it's something that, again, took place naturally here with these shepherds. They consciously, and when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. They wanted to tell everybody else who this Jesus was. <clears throat> it says in verse 18, And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. You know, sometimes some of the greatest zeal that we find in a Christian is when they first get saved. They can't believe. It's just so exciting what, what God has done, this, this change that's taken place in their life. We find that... So many times, if we're not careful, that zeal can be lost as we go through. Well, we know also that zeal, just like with the response to the shepherds here, some people are going to look at you kind of strange when you go out there telling them who Jesus is and what he's done to change your life. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But I think there's something else in that wondering. They may wonder about you and they may wonder about the message that you're bringing to them. They're also going to have to wonder about Jesus if you're giving them that message. They're going to have to wonder, is there anything to this? Is there anything real about this story whatsoever? You see, if we never tell them, if we never witness to them, then they'll never have that opportunity to wonder about those things. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. I think a lot of times we, we, we can, what's the old saying, get the, get the cart before the horse? Um, a lot of times we want the experience uh, before the genuineness of the reality. Uh, we want to, we wanna, you know, see something and feel something. We want these emotional things to take place and, and all of these things, and people can get caught up in that. 
but there's no emotional experience that will make you a child of God. Um, I believe that when a person genuinely becomes born again, they can respond and react in all kinds of different place, ways. I've seen people just almost sit down speechless because they, they just can't believe what's happened. I've seen people cry, tons of tears, because, you know, they're just broken. I've seen people shout with joy. They're just so happy they can't believe the burden that's been lifted from them. The responses can come in all kinds of different ways. But folks, the emotions should come after the act, not before. We shouldn't be seeking some kind of, of an emotional experience. But I want to tell you something. When Jesus comes into your life, it's going to affect you some way. Uh, you're going to know about it. It doesn't happen by accident, and you just go on living the same old life and don't know that anything. They were excited. They were praising God on their way back. Their, their lives were changed. They knew something. They, they'd seen something that they'd never seen before. And I think that's the way it is with us Christians. And yet here we come into the, to the Christmas season so often, and we're, we're celebrating this same birth that those shepherds went to that night. And as Christians, when that same thing has happened in our lives, when God has sent a messenger to us and we've come to recognize and to real, realize it and to, to step out by faith and to act upon that faith, to be willing to openly confess Jesus Christ in our lives and praise God for what he's done through it all. Now, that's something that should be real to every child of God. But as we approach Christmas, sometimes we get our focus on all the wrong things, these parties and those parties and this thing and that thing. And, and you know, I'm, I, I'll be the first to admit, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a bit of a kid when it comes to Christmas. I love Christmas. I love the tinsel and I love the lights and I love the excitement of it. I love the, I love the things just, I love, you know, most of all because it is such a special time and it's always been such a special time for us as a family that everybody, you know, regardless of what else might keep everybody doing all their thing, it's a time to really come together. And, of course, I enjoy all those things. I enjoy the Christmas dinners. <laughs> I enjoy a lot of those things. But the thing is, is that those things are not what Christmas is all about. When we lose Christ, when we lose the real meaning, when all those things begin to supersede what Christmas is really all about, then we've lost it. It's just not there. Though I enjoy so many things about Christmas, I just want to remind you this evening, you know, during these next couple of weeks as we really get into the Christmas season, I guess two weeks it'll about be gone, won't it? <laughs> as we move in that direction, let's remember what that first Christmas, if you want to call it that, was really all about. Let's remember that, you know, that just like then, the simple truth is now is that Jesus Christ himself, when he spoke about salvation, he spoke about these very same things that we just read here that, first of all, you've got to hear it. You've got to hear the message. How are they going to hear without a preacher? How are they going to hear without somebody telling them and proclaiming it to them? Go ye into all the world. Preach the gospel to every creature. They need to know. You know, Again, I remember reading somewhere, I can't remember if it was something I read in a story or something in one of my old ways. I, I remember reading somewhere, and I don't even know who to give credit to it for, but, you know, if, if Jesus were, were born a thousand times in Bethlehem, and if, and if Jesus walked a million miles and spent a million days 
doing all the things that he did, what difference would it make if you didn't know it? What difference does it make if you don't know him? Don't you think that that's why that the gospel was so clear when he tells us that Jesus had to do the things he did? That was a fulfillment of God's plan. God planned it. God performed it. God did it all for a purpose. But he goes right on. As a result, Jesus did everything that was needed of him. And that sentence doesn't finish when he tells us then we need to take that message to the others out there. These shepherds could never have believed, could never have responded, could never have gone to Jesus, would never have left and taken that message to others had they not first heard it, had they not secondly believed it. You see, men and, and women and boys and girls, they need to hear the message. We can't make anybody a Christian. We don't want to just play on people's emotions. We've got to take the truth of the gospel to them. We've got to trust God to send his messenger, the Holy Spirit, just like he sent his messenger here to get that message to their hearts. They don't need to just hear a story. They need a message that has the power of the Holy Spirit behind it to believe it, to receive it and act upon it, just as these shepherds did, to experience what they experienced to know it was real, to share that with everybody around them. You know, that's the greatest gift that we can give anyone this Christmas. We read the story year after year. We find that parts of it are printed on the, the Christmas cards that we send out and many of the things that we do. I'm just trying to say this Christmas, let's, let's not forget the reality for unto you is born a Savior. Jesus came for you, but also he's born for that friend of yours, that family member of yours, those around us. I trust and pray you enjoy the Christmas season with your family and the, the special things that go on there. And I pray that you're a wise enough Christian that you won't get caught up in the sinful things because there'll be plenty of that going on around Christmas as well. And it's easy to just get caught up, as we saw in the message this morning, to be drawn into those things because of our flesh and because of, of society around us. But let's keep our eyes upon Jesus. Let's enjoy the season, enjoy it very much. But let's make just like with the shepherds. If Jesus Christ is real to you, let's make it a time that we really share him with all those around us. Let's not waste those opportunities. And you know, some of your friends... Some of the people that you work with, that you study with, that you live next door to, that you do whatever, some of those people, they never let you witness to them any other time of the year, but you can get away with it at Christmas. <laughs> you know, if you just go out there and join in with them and act like they do and Christ has no part in it, and that's not going to help them one bit. It's not going to get that message to them, but let Christ be seen through you. Let it be an exciting thing to you, just like these shepherds. When people get excited about Christmas, tell them what they really need to be excited about. Take those opportunities while you've got them because you will have some that you won't have any other time of the year. Father, thank you so much this evening for, Lord, just a reminder of this tremendous story. Lord, as we look at what happened in these just plain, ordinary, everyday shepherds that were there abiding in their fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night, Lord, but there was something that took place that changed their lives. I pray that you'll just help us this evening. 
that truly, truly, Lord, that as we go into this Christmas season, these days before us, help us to be excited about that one that was born into our lives. And Lord, if there might be one here this evening that maybe they've heard the story all their lives and but they've never, ever, ever, they've never acted upon it as these shepherds did. Maybe, maybe you've spoken to them again tonight. Maybe you sent your messenger again to let them know that this is real. They need to go to this one called Jesus, this one that was born for them. And I pray, Lord, that you would help them. Help them, Lord, to not put off, to leave till later, but help them to act upon that right now at this time. Help us, Lord, to trust you. Use us during this season to share the wonderful message of Jesus with everyone that we can possibly have opportunity. Help us not to be ashamed, but help us to stand up boldly. We'll give you the thanks for it. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Amen. Amen.